This is Rags. And this is Kirk. This is The Current Podcast. You can check us out on our website, cvrnt.com, on Twitter at cvrnt, and Instagram and Facebook at CVRNT Podcast. So what are we talking about today, Rags? Today, we're going to go into Google I.O. and some of the announcements they made there. Uh, we're going to focus on the VR and AR announcements predominantly, and then uh, talk about how some of the other things they announced are going to figure into the plat- uh, those platforms. And we'll do the same with WWDC, and we'll try and uh, compare and give you our thoughts on the directions that Apple is going into and how some of these might play out in the next few months. Okay, sounds good. So let's start with uh, Google I.O. So obviously, one of the first things was an updated Daydream. Mm-hmm. So you have the uh, Daydream right now. What did you think of some of those announcements that they made and the updated Daydream? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so some of the major updates is that really just evolving the ecosystem and the platform. So for those that don't know, Google Daydream requires a Daydream-enabled phone that meets their specs, but then the operating system is getting more ingrained with this virtual reality experience. And one thing that they were pointing out was that like, when f- people call your phone or send you text messages, there's going to be better pop-ups that will display, allowing you to interact with thing- other things that are happening outside of your virtual reality experience on your phone and really make more of a streamlined experience, which does look exciting. I don't know that they, they announced a new Daydream itself, right? It's just a platform upgrade, or is it a new Daydream headset? Yeah, it's, it's mainly just, uh, you know, I think an evolution to the operating system, but then they also talked about a lot more phones supporting it. Oh, and I think the biggest news was that the latest version of the Samsung Galaxy phone is going to support Daydream with a software update in the next coming months, which is awesome because there's kind of this weirdness between which platform has the most users in the mobile space. Is it Samsung? Samsung users that have a Samsung Gear VR experience, and then there's this Daydream separate experience. But apparently, if you get the Gear, you can actually try out both. I thought that that was a slightly curious announcement. And the reason I I say that is because, so Samsung has obviously put in a bunch of time, money, effort into the new Gear. They obviously have a whole suite of tools. They have uh, external devices or peripherals. So you have your um, Gear 360, and then you have the Gear uh, VR headset. So Samsung's kind of been setting themselves apart. Now with uh, Daydream support, do you think that it's going to start bleeding in a little bit? Like why would, so why would, why do you think Samsung would have agreed to kind of form this kind of partnership with Google? I mean, other than obvious things, which is it's Android and, you know, Google announces support for a whole bunch of phones, then, you know, Samsung's going to kind of have to follow suit. But don't you think that that's going to maybe hemorrhage off some of the sales or some of the people trying to get a Gear VR headset versus the Daydream headset? Yeah, I think we're going to have to wait and see because, like, one thing is I'm not sure about if the same Samsung Gear hardware will work with the Daydream headset. So we'll have to see if, like, you won't have to buy the two different headsets. You'll just be able to jump in between the two ecosystems. But I don't know. Maybe there was a way to persuade Samsung into supporting Daydream now that there's kind of some news out there about, like, Oculus. And uh, maybe they're a little more concerned about putting, you know, a lot of their energy into the Oculus Samsung gear uh, ecosystem where, you know, betting on one partner. And they saw a way to, you know, hedge their bets with two. Yeah, that actually makes sense that they're they're basically saying, hey, we kind of partnered with Oculus and Facebook. And it kind of seems like we were talking about in our previous podcast that they're kind of slowing down a little bit. And 
maybe not being as open and so Samsung was like well you know we need to make sure that the whole project doesn't go down in flames even if we like have a little bit of a competition in the interim uh, with Daydream that we're still able to keep keep continuing and going down this path and investing in this. I wonder if it mattered that Google is also partnered with Lenovo uh, on the Google Tango project. I think we've talked about the Tango before, and I think it was one of our first or second episodes. Yeah, so the, the Tango phone is hardware that has typically two cameras on it and can do some sort of like inside-out tracking so the phone can actually tell kind of what size room you're in and measure like objects that are in front of you or tell the distance between like your phone and, and certain objects. So it really like unlocks these experiences where you can, you know, kind of see the world and, and basically do a bunch of like augmented reality type uh, f- functionality, but it's all kind of enabled through, you know, the, the hardware and the software and, you know, Google's machine learning. And they showed demos where you could hold up your phone and walk through a Lowe's department store, so like a hardware store. So imagine you had to find some nails and you could pull up the app at the uh, as you're walking in a store and say, I want to find the nails. And then it could direct you through these aisles like if it was a big warehouse and you could quickly, you know, navigate to what you need and get it and go. Yeah, essentially, if you can imagine, once you have the store floor plan and stuff mapped out, if you said, show me where the nails are or show me where this particular kind of nail section is, it gives you a full map of the store, which you can actually follow in an augmented reality way and where it actually highlights and says, you know, it shows arrows going to a certain direction. And then it, it kind of takes you exactly to the point where you can find stuff. And this becomes important at these places like, you know, Lowe's, uh, Home Depot. If you look at uh, bigger stores like Costco, maybe some bigger Walmarts or some of the other uh, big B&M stores, this makes uh, a pretty big significant difference because, you know, often there's so much stuff, it, it's really hard to actually go and find the exact thing you're looking for. And so something like this, it maps it out real well. And I think the machine learning aspect of it actually falls in place right there, where they, they look at that and they look at the, they take the information of people going and picking up certain stuff and finding out where things are and where people go for things. And then they map it back. And I think in addition to that, they also use uh, information from the store itself. Like a store would say, for example, like a Home Depot, if you go to the Home Depot app or if you go to their website, you can search for certain things and it'll kind of give you a guess of what aisle things are in. This is a lot more intuitive where it takes away that step of you going to figure out, okay, I want certain thing here. I'm going to search for it. Show me where it is at this aisle. Now I got to go find out which aisles, go look at the numbers in the aisles, you know, things like that. Instead, you just kind of take your phone, you point it, and it just, just tells you where to go. Think of it as basically street view indoors. Yeah, actually, you led me just to what I was going to say is like, if you think about it, Google can get you from your couch (laughs) into your car, give you directions through Google Maps all the way to the front of the store. And now it's kind of a map once you're within the store that's more than just a generic floor plan. You know, it's like, like you said, overlaying arrows and telling you, no, kind of like GPS internally, but the software on the phone is, you know, detecting where you're looking and where you're facing and helping guide you through. Um, I mean, this is like one example of what Tango can kind of unlock. Yeah, I'm really excited for uh, that thing to drop. They actually didn't stop there. What they also did was they announced that they were going to have the standalone VR headset that they're working on with HTC and Lenovo. And conceptually, that thing looks pretty cool as well. So 
it's going to have inside out tracking and it's going to use uh, WorldSense, which is the same stuff that uh, Tango uses. So let me let me describe the headset a little bit. Uh, to me, it actually looked a little bit kind of like a cross between a PlayStation VR head strap and the HoloLens sort of. So an enclosed headset that you know does not require a cell phone, so it's not necessarily a mobile device, and it's not a full HTC Vive that they currently sell where you have to connect it to your computer. It's this complete standalone unit that you could just kind of slip over your head and, as you said, inside-out tracking. So that's kind of like the HoloLens. You can like map to your environment around you and then like basically be fully within VR. I, I don't know if they talked about it supporting a lot of AR-type technology, but it seems like there'd be a roadmap for that. Yeah, AR technologies, uh, maybe. I, I don't know if they'll do that. From the prototype uh, drawing that I saw, it didn't seem to have a front-facing camera of any kind. So I, I don't know if they'll just go with a just a standalone inside-out tracker first and then decide whether they can expand it out to AR. Because if it's already using some of the stuff from Tango, I would presume that it's not going to be too hard for them to actually port over some of the same technology and all you'd really need is an extra camera but at that point are they just going to add like a front-facing strap or somehow find a way to tether the actual phone directly back into the device itself let's say it comes with like a bluetooth chip or something and you can actually tether your phone to the device and then it starts using the peripherals of the phone or the phone as kind of a control system that's something that potentially they could expand to if it's going to use the same underlying OS and some of the same technology. And if it's already integrated into a Tango, think of it as like a, just like breaking the Tango into two pieces kind of thing, like or Project Tango itself, in the sense that you have the headset that's standalone, that's doing stuff, that has everything it needs, but the phone can add some an extra layer either use a camera, use it as an extra controller or something else. But as of now, it looks like it's going to be the Daydream controller along with a, like you said, a PlayStation VR type of headset. So that's uh, that's some pretty interesting stuff coming out from Google. But let's, let's hop on real quick uh, to uh, have a quick chat about WWDC and uh, some of the announcements they made there. Um, so WWDC is the Worldwide Developers Conference that Apple puts on on a yearly basis. I'd say that on the whole, it was maybe a little light on general details with, uh, with regards to AR and VR. The fact that they did actually say something about it was, I guess, a thing in and of itself. One of the first things they were talking about was a VR-enabled desktop uh, and laptop uh, external graphic unit. So, so yeah, I think the key thing there is like uh, they have, they'll have desktops that support VR and they're gonna have a laptop that requires an external graphics card that will support VR as well. I think it's an interesting concept. Obviously at first look, it, it kind of seems like a bit out there in terms of what they're trying to do. It's good that you can potentially have just an external graphics card that you can connect to your laptop and get it enabled to do whatever. So at that point, you don't necessarily have to lug around a desktop you have something powerful that's separate from your machine that you can actually, you know, upgrade as needed. I get it all. I just laugh because it's kind of common for, I think, Mac to just add a, another dongle or cable that you can add onto your laptop, like to, you know, scale and do what whatever. But maybe that model works when everything's upgradable. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, on a base level, if you think about it, it that 
concept or idea of doing that, it's feasible if your device is a lot cheaper. Now, at this point, you're talking about paying a premium for your laptop. The Apple tax. The Apple, basically the Apple tax. But at the same time, if you're talking about having to pay $1,200, $1,300 for a laptop and then $700-ish for the graphics card and then you buy your external, you know, Vive or Oculus, that's a lot of investment. But on the flip side, you know, because we're talking about the external graphics card and we, we're not really comparing it directly back to the graphics card that you might buy to put onto your personal PC or what, how much that might cost. I don't know if it's a, pardon the pun, apples to apples comparison. <laughs> yeah. And uh, That's horrible. Yeah, I know. I'm still not sure. Uh, I'll just put it that way. It's. I think conceptually it makes sense from their side. If it's... If, for example, my MacBook Pro, which is several years old, I can take this and then I can get, I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's enabled with older, I don't know how old, how far back so, it was. So I think, I think they said the Macs have to support High Sierra, which is their next version of their operating system. Okay. So as long as I guess your hardware can still support that, then you shouldn't be able to add this external graphics card as well and then you can hook up a vive right um which which i think like lately i've been seeing some news that's come out now a couple days after wwdc Uh, it looks like they're selling to developers the external graphics card and housing for about 5.99 i think it's an ati card and then if you if you do buy that you get a hundred dollars off of vive so there's kind of like a lot of chatter on twitter right now about the fact that you know you actually can go to like apple.com and see a vive next to the apple and kind of this partnership with HTC and, and apple it's um people are kind of both i think excited shocked um <laughs> it seems like the community is trying to still figure it out i mean i i don't the obvious upsides are people who are really creative and trying to do artsy stuff or artistic stuff they're generally on you know OS X or iOS, right? Like you're you're on Apple's platform. When Windows, when this Windows compatibility thing happened with the Vive, I think a lot of those people decided to invest in a Windows machine and then go with that. Like myself, like I, you know, built a machine and did all that. Would I have done all that had this been an option? That's what I was thinking about though. Is like, would Apple have just made their own VR headset? Like that seems like maybe the normal track, um, but then again, maybe this is like a short-term way to jump in to VR now and then, you know, learn from this and then in the future maybe come out with their own full headset. But I also, you know, at first I was thinking like hardcore game developers, I think they're on Windows, but when you mentioned, yeah, the artists of the world, a lot of them uh, might be on Macs and this gives them the ability to now jump in and uh, exercise their artistic uh, qualities and skills well, I mean, again, I think I think these are I think are just two different things. One of the things that Apple does and does well and has been doing well in general is here's here's a machine that's fairly powerful that's got all this compute power that has whatever. It's a nice operating system, good UI, good everything, and you don't really have to think about a lot of stuff. You don't have to tinker around with stuff. You know, like things generally tend to work out the box, like. If you actually watch WWDC, one of the things that will become apparent is, A, it reinforces the fact that Apple is premium. You know, it's a premium company that has premium products at premium prices. 
but at the same time they also focus more on the there was a big difference between Google IO and uh, Apple I felt like Google IO is a bit more technical in at some places but you know with Apple you get the picture that they're they're like hey look there's this literally a black box that's like the graphics box that that you can connect to your laptop and then not have to think about anything else like is this a thing out there is this optimized is this best thing I need to do do I have to download any other drivers do I have to set it up any other way it's just there and it'll work out the box you just plug it in plug in the vibe and you go so if it's that simple then it also makes it easier for folks who may not be as technical to jump in and even though you're paying a bit of a premium it's it's a little easier to kind of use in general plus it becomes portable there are obviously alienware laptops and other powerful rigs you can build right now that work just fine and they're pretty powerful on their own and so that becomes a portable device and again you know you you'd have to question like getting um alienware with the really high end graphics card how much is that going to run you versus getting a mac and then this other external graphics uh, box and then the vive whatever else it is so i think all in all it's just apple is clearly kind of just saying okay we acknowledge the fact that vr is kind of taking hold to some extent they're trying to hedge their bets a little bit here i think they're essentially announcing this stuff more because they're like we don't want to be entirely left out well if we're going to jump into that yeah i think that's the biggest thing is that everybody all the news has normally been that apple sees ar as the future and they they don't need to get into vr cuz uh, maybe they're going to skip VR completely and wait till AR and VR maybe more combined and like the market's been defined more. Uh, but then all of a sudden, here is WWDC and they're like, oh, we got all this Vive stuff. We have VR. We have VR support. We, we totally just can do this now with our hardware as well. So it's kind of funny. It was like the opposite of like a lot of the news. Like I was actually surprised completely. I thought all that they would do is mention maybe a few AR features. I don't think it's like super surprising that Apple announced this because all they really announced is they're giving you a way to have build a VR ready setup. Other than that there's really not much else over here. Like they're not they're not really getting into the game. They did they did also announce though that uh, they're going to have Unity and Unreal support for developers to be able to develop, you know, VR experiences on a MacBook and and a desktop. So that was you know kind of it was great though that they're saying yes we have the ability for you to create content and view content so we kind of have you know the whole ecosystem covered with our platform well obviously what are they going to do like they're going to say here's the graphics card you can run the vibe on it but you can't develop on this it's a developers conference obviously they're going to give you the ability to develop that'd be really stupid of them if they'd had uh, announced like the vibe support and all that and we're like well but you still have to develop on a windows machine yeah. <laughs> because you can't do it well i mean but you never know. A lot of it's like the partnerships, right? Uh, either they build out the ability to develop with their own platform, like maybe what Microsoft's trying to do, and you know, integrated within Windows 10, or you partner with some of the tool providers like Unreal and Unity. And I, I just think like it's the more you see these partnerships, like I, you know, I, I think we can just imagine how complicated it can be to get these uh, these negotiations completed. But uh, they definitely pulled it off and. You know, announced it. I, I really don't think this is that big a deal, um, to be honest, uh, because people tend to get a little 
overexcited about some of these announcements. Even at Google I.O., um, there were definitely announcements or things they talked about where it seemed like it was kind of ready. And then they were like, yeah, so we're working on this and it'll be ready later this year or whatever. And so we don't know to what extent some of these are controlled, uh, you know, in, in terms of like, hey, I'm giving you information about this now, but it's going to be several months before you even get into it. And by that time, who knows where everything else is going to go. So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. But again, I I think the the bigger news is their actual uh, AR kit. So with iOS um, 11, they announced AR kit, which is essentially their way to enable or give uh, everyone an API, developers and just content builders an API to be able to build augmented reality type uh, simulations and uh, have them display them or view them via the via your iPad or your iPhone. And so they still actually did what they said they would, which is they, their investment was more on the AR stuff. Uh, they, and they did make a point to mention this multiple times, which is with ARKit and having pushing it out through iOS, you know, it's going to be the largest AR platform in the world just by virtue of the fact that it's just going to go into anyone who has an iPhone and, you know, people are just going to be able to use it. I mean, if you take a look at the demo, uh, WWDC is specifically the portion that they demoed the AR kit. It was by, I believe it was someone from Lucasfilms who was working on this short experience type thing. Oh, it wasn't from Lucasfilms. They did an AR demo from Peter Jackson's new AR company. So they did a demo on stage where they had a table and a guy was walking around with his iPad and he was showing this whole scene unfold, you know, augmented reality being projected on his iPad. Uh, But, you know, like I've seen those demos before, but then like the thing that maybe I didn't think about because I haven't played around with them much. He's like, you know, you can be your own director. You can like zoom in and he you know, takes a step forward and he can just get into a scene where like two people are like in a gunfight or he can pan out and see like the whole city as like horses are running like all over the place. And like kind of the neat uh, thing they demoed, of course, is like a bunch of people are running uh, like all over because there's like some fighting going on. But like one particular character in the augmented reality actually jumps off leaps off the desk and like you know jumps into oblivion which is kind of neat because basically since the phone knows that hey there's a desk here and there's like a drop off and the floor is down there uh you know the space doesn't have to be captured in a little box it can interact with kind of the surroundings it actually just reminded me of one of the hololens demos i'd seen where uh the the person was demoing it actually just canned a couple items uh, you know, right, right with the HoloLens, and then they were able to import those assets, and then show how you can put it where you want and build experiences, or you can just kind of grab these things, and then you can have them work a certain way. You just need to add a few physics parameters to them. But I think the this is essentially now going to start opening it up, so any app could start integrating AR modes of some kind or the other. So I once the AR kit comes out, I think it would be. I'd be curious to see how it actually works and how easy or hard it is to add assets and stuff. People have access. People have access to it right now. I've actually already seen people on Twitter, uh, you know, showing short demos. Sure. Uh, I'm, I was talking about more in 
when it, when it comes out when it's released out to the world uh what they what they do with it uh, the, a more finished product i mean i i i i get that it's pretty easy to like put together little snippets and demos and ideas and things you can do with it but i i want to see how how well it actually is integrated and how full of an experience it gives you is it just you know is it actually going to translate into something usable that people are excited about and there's a good application for it or is it just like hey there's augmented reality here's like stuff on top of your world view and that's all it is so i that's what i want to say and i also want to see how uh it's like i haven't done research into uh and i don't know if you know about how easy or hard it is to import assets and those kinds of things how you actually do import assets like do you use the can you use the phone itself to scan something so to speak and then come up you know have it create a realistic image or something or do you have to just import them via unity or that so i i have a few other questions about it but i mean the big deal is the fact that it's actually you know they they say that they were going to come back with they were going to bring in augmented reality and they released uh, ar kit and i think that's going to be that's going to be a good solid um uh, you know it, it's it's good. it's a good solid piece of technology i i uh i it's not novel obviously at this point apple's kind of you know uh, uh, i wouldn't say necessarily late to the game because it's not like everything else has gone leaps and bounds but because uh because everything else kind of slowed down a little bit i think it's given them just enough time to kind of catch up uh the key here is going to be how well developers and everyone else actually you know accepts this and then starts using it but given the fact that it's going to be available on mobile the access is almost immediate and you it's just a matter of you downloading another app where now you're taking away this get another device get another thing do something else spend more money it's like if i buy an app if it's just an app for me to experience this augmented reality thing then that's easy for me to do right like i just need to download an app and then i just use my phone and do stuff with it as opposed to like me having to proactively go research find out what device to get what do i need to do i don't need to do any of that anymore it's just you know ar in your phone yeah i i think it'll be interesting to see the use cases to like you said to see what people come up with whether it's more gimmicky stuff and like joke fart apps etc or you know uh, but at the same time like like google demoed which we didn't talk about really it was with their tango device uh, they're using the Tango devices, cell phones, basically, in schools. And once you put the phone in the hands of a student, um, you know, they can maybe experience things that they can't. Like, like I think one teacher was saying, like, I can't take my kids on a field trip to an active volcano. Like, no parent is going to sign that permission slip, right? But she can have them use their phone and, like, walk around and explore and like get really close and see the smoke coming out of an active volcano or look you know from below and see lava pouring yeah. down and yeah i remember that that piece i just uh, the one thing i was thinking or for me when i watched that uh-huh. i was like that's cool but at the same time the it didn't seem very like if you okay so if you compare go back and compare what they showed you with Tango versus what Apple showed in terms of assets and doing stuff uh-huh. and like there I don't know if it's just a matter of the experiences or the uh the things that they demoed actually whether Apple just ended up putting in like really high res like assets they just pulled those in like the coffee cup and the other couple things that they showed 
or did Google just was Google's um, demo uh, were the, were those things just prototypes? Because there's a pretty stark contrast between what the Tango was able to do and what you know uh, AR Kit was able to do just on the iPhone. Like it looked it looked pretty different. I mean, I get that that's a that's a good way to uh, get you know, kids excited. And I think, yeah, that's, that's a pretty awesome use case that people will definitely use augmented reality for just to give you that kind of learning. But again, like the big difference in Tango though, is like, it's actually the, um, the tracking, the inside out tracking versus for Apple, you're, you're now talking about just essentially probably just using the gyroscope inside the iPhone itself. For me, the big difference is really between the two. Actually, that's, that's a good, good maybe a good segue let's why don't we go ahead and do a qu- couple quick comparisons of what we saw at google and what we saw at wwdc so google uh the so what are the main things that came out of google so okay i'll, I'll tell you my opinion it, it basically if i was just to compare the two i think google's already focused on their next evolution of what they're doing with the technology and apple seemed like okay we're coming out and yes we have support for things not sure what to do with it yet, but it's there and we support it. And like Google's already kind of beyond that. They're already just out there saying like, you know, we've already created this operating system or we have this ecosystem with Daydream. We, we've been playing with the technology. We have the machine learning to back it up. It just seemed like, you know, they did their 1.0 release or 0.1 last year. Now they're on 1.0, like, like they're already iterating and like Apple just kind of did seem like they came out to me as kind of like a, oh yeah, me too. You know, we have it as well, uh, the technology, but you know, it's not ingrained with their operating systems. I mean, even Microsoft, right? They've already announced, hey, in Windows 10, there's gonna be these core uh, capabilities that'll interact with our operating system. You know, I'm not a huge Apple user, but I've seen the tendency for them to enable more on their mobile OS than maybe they do on their desktop. Like, you know, they still don't have touch screens, et cetera. So, so those are, that's kind of like my initial thoughts. I think most of those generally kind of agree with that. It obviously because Google, Microsoft, they've been talking about AR, VR stuff for a while now. Microsoft talked about Windows 10 and uh, Windows 10 and having it, you know, essentially be the main platform for uh, augmented reality type experiences and they they really want to make that a key part of their OS. I don't know that Google may be iterating. Um, obviously, they put the Daydream out and they've been talking about a lot of this stuff and they are innovating and doing well. Project Tango is coming along nicely. But at the same time, Apple, I think, is just, I think it's a different approach altogether. I don't think that in the sense that they're now announcing VR AR support, yes, it's uh, kind of a hey, me too. Uh, but at the same time, I think what's key here is Apple is essentially, it's still just saying, okay, if you really want to do VR stuff on a Mac, here, I'm going to give this to you. And the reason why they're, they're focusing heavily on AR is because their market share right now is heavy on. Uh, you know, their mobile platform, you know, their iPads and iPhones, they're the ones that are out there that most people are using. Mac sales have kind of been a little soft of late. They announced a new line of MacBook Pros and MacBooks and iMacs. 
they look great, but they're expensive. You know, they're just more expensive. They're so. Other than that, they it they totally makes sense that they're gonna, you know, go all in with AR because it's just a software. It's just extra software, and then basically they were able to between soft between stuff on iOS itself, the AR kit, and then Metal Two, which is the improved graphics API. They're essentially able to just capitalize on whatever technology they have and put that into the hands of most of the their users which is all mobile and so with that and with augmented reality they're i think they're hoping to push people more in that direction and say hey you know it's better if you layer stuff on top of actual reality and instead of trying to go into vr and have this like completely virtual space but they're just two different things altogether so i i think apple is taking a different approach i think google is clearly trying to champion the cause so to speak and push hard um, Facebook obviously is doing the same thing. Microsoft as well, and Apple's a little bit on the side. You know, they're they're doing a li- they're just going about it a little differently, and it's still way too early to tell which one's going to win out or how it's going to play out. I have a feeling that it is going to be hard to make the case to have something like a Hololens or anything else uh, purely from a functional standpoint, uh, given that mobile gaming is becoming is you know huge. Uh, a lot of people to spend tons of time on their phone, getting augmented reality integrated into iOS makes total sense. Uh, I think that's that will make a definite impact compared to something uh, that Windows, uh, that Microsoft can put out because anything they do, you're going to have to have a standalone headset, right? You don't have Windows, I mean, you have Windows Mobile, but you know, for all intents and purposes, there's no real Windows Mobile. I think we know that Apple does is not normally the first to market you know when some of these newer trends are coming out um you know so after our conversation of course if you were to ask me what was my opinion from a business perspective i i definitely think what apple's doing is in line with their history you know see what the market does uh, see what the what what products people want and really come out with like that next evolution or a revolutionary device. I guess I wouldn't say that Apple's not doing the correct thing from a business perspective. I'd have to agree with you on that. And in fact, like if you really kind of, just to be a little bit more nitpicky, um, let's, uh, let me give you my thoughts on a direct comparison of both uh, events that I directly watched, right? Uh, So there's like from a, from a high level, there's, there's a couple, uh, key points one was apple you only had a few presenters um like four or five people that actually came in and presented something and went back and they just kept running on and off stage really quick and it seemed a little like rushed or awkward whereas google it seemed like the flow was a little better um i'll say that apple it seemed a lot more rehearsed like you you know everyone was they had wide smiles and they were telling you these things in exact words and the way they were saying it seemed a little robotic as opposed to Google where it just seemed a little bit more kind of human or more genuine in that sense. Uh, it seemed like Apple uh, focus was the presenters were all executives for the most part versus Google. It, they seemed to have included some engineers and such. Uh, and on the whole, I felt like Google had a lot more substance in terms of what they announced. Apple continually, which is normal for, you know, Apple events and such, 
um, just kept saying like this is the best stuff this is the best ever and then uh, and actually when they panned to the audience I I felt that you know it, it just it was a little little bit missing there um, and it's it, and some of their announcements some of the stuff they did it, it was like hey you know we did this feature and then there's kind of silence <laughs> and then and then you know people start clapping and they're like yeah it was like, all right. Uh, whereas Google, again, it seemed a little bit more, you know, solid that way. Google actually announced stuff to do with uh, machine learning and AI and such, where and they talked about the technology and talked about how they were enabling stuff and how they were going to help out people, how they were going to scale, help scale this out, and include everyone. Apple was more like, we're using machine learning to do all the stuff. We're using, you know, machine learning to do this. We're using machine learning to do that. And Siri uses machine learning for this. <laughs> And they did say it, and I'm sure it does, yeah. you know, because all these technologies do at the back end have machine learning capabilities turned on. Again, with Google, it seemed like here's stuff to create things with. And Apple was like, we've created, we've done some of this for you. So you just enjoy the fruits of our labor. And it's awesome, <laughs> you know, so to speak. Um, so I, I, I thought they were both interesting events. I thought the announcements were pretty solid. Uh, if, if I was going to give it grades, I would say the Google Keynote. I actually came out from the Google Keynote feeling pretty energized, pretty, you know, I, I thought I was kind of in a wow. You know, I was like, wow, these guys are putting out some really cool stuff. With Apple, I, you know, I came off neutral. I was like, oh, that's cool. They're, they got some cool stuff. And then, you know, they have a speaker that's 350 bucks that I... I <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna commit to saying I'm never gonna get. But at 350 bucks, it's a it's a bit much. You can't really compare that to an Echo Dot at like 50 bucks. So uh, it's a pretty expensive smart home assistant. Um, so general theme was that it seemed like, from a general scale perspective and affordability and such, Google got a little bit of an upper hand. From general shiny, more polished. Here's like something that's packed with technology and we are going down this track and th think about it right like apple just needs this once apple toggles on some of the stuff like um either through ios 11 or 12 or just adds updates they can just keep adding some extra capabilities to some of the ar vr stuff and i i think that they're like you said man i think they're just going to watch the market uh this is their like hey look we're looking we're looking at you guys and we're, we're keeping an eye on all of you the moment you guys do something that makes sense, we're going to hop on and we're going to like re, you know, re-innovate a little bit. And then we're just going to polish it some more, make it aptly, and then put it out there. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if you got uh, a similar similar vibe watching it or if if what you thought one way or the other. Yeah, no, I, I, I think we both agree that it sounds like Google might have had the better presentation, more substance overall. Um, and I was more excited to invest more into Google's platform after watching both keynotes, uh, but just in general, still excited about the whole industry, and uh, it's great to see everybody. Because I mean, this what what we're seeing here though is competition, and I think that'll foster and push all of the different companies to keep innovating, and that's great for us as consumers. So yeah, exactly. I, so I think uh, at the end of the day, consumers going to win. I. I as always, I think we, we've we been fairly um, positive 
uh, for the most part, except for that one episode where we were talking about the doomsday scenario uh, with AR and VR. But I think uh, we can safely say that the VR winter is now turned into a, a, a little bit more balmy than it was before. <laughs> Than it was. Or we can see spring on the horizon. Spring on the horizon. Let's go with that. Yeah, and on that note, I guess we can close out. All right, this is Kirk. And this is Rags. See you guys later. Thanks for listening.